Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. All right, here we go. What you think about? Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. If you liked our opening song, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band featuring Maya Dore, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new, um, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with real people who are in the trenches, um, So that might mean uh, somebody living with dementia, uh, diagnosis, family members, business professionals. We've had singers and songwriters and authors and movie directors, you name it. Um, We're all a piece of this community. And so we love to, uh, to raise awareness on all levels there. I also want to thank our listeners. You guys have been wonderful. Your likes, your clicks, and shares have really spread the word of our work And I so appreciate you doing that. And I hope you continue to help build a sense of community, collaboration, and comfort. We all need that in this space. And um, it's so, so important for us to stay connected so we don't feel isolated and alone at all. Now, today we're going to be talking uh, with a couple of gals in the senior housing industry. And we're going to be talking about Um, disruption and memory care and COVID and all that kind of fun stuff. But before I um, open it up and introduce you to them, I want to remind you that we've been doing this show for many years. So you can go back into our archives, archives and listen to anything at any time. Some of our recent past shows, we just had uh, Joe Brazil on. He wrote a book called Living with Thunder. He cared for his wife with early onset and some teenage kids as well. We had Chris uh, Brickler on, who is the CEO of Mind VR, which is a virtual virtual reality um, program that's just fascinating. We've had the Motion Picture and TV Foundation on, um, and Jack Russell was really interesting. He's caring for his daughter who has dementia, who is now living in a community. And he talks about the circle of care, the support network that they built up. And so we interviewed quite a few people from um, his daughter's children to uh, some of his other children and friends and uh, and the community she lives in. It's really quite fascinating on how everything is pulling together. Now, next week, we're going to have author Terry Bumgardner on. And we're going to talk with two caregivers who actually I went to school with, and they're going to share their own personal story. So I'm really looking forward to that. I want to give a shout out to a couple of memory cafes that I help facilitate. One is Artist Way, 
and uh, they're located in Woodbury, Minnesota. But, you know, nowadays you don't have to be in that area because everything is virtual. So the next um, Memory Cafe will be December 16th at 1 o'clock Central Time. Uh, They meet the third Wednesday of every month, and anyone is welcome to join that. And then Arthur's Memory Cafe, we do on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock. If you're interested in either of those, please reach out to me. I'd be more than glad to talk with you on that. And then I have to give a shout out to Dementia Action Alliance. Um, And their website is daanow.org. They are doing two free Zoom programs. Um, One is for people who are uh, living with dementia and are at home. And the other is for people who are living with dementia, but they're in um, like an assisted living. Both of those programs are free. Again, you can go to daanow.org. Also, um, Coral Health is still allowing people to download two of their apps free of charge during COVID. And one is called Music First. The other is Coral Faith, and that is C-O-R-O-Health.com. And let's see, Memory Cafe directory, if you're looking to connect, uh, Dave has pulled them all together in five different countries, and you can find the ones that are virtual uh, and open to all. Just go to memorycafe.com. And then we just launched, Dave and I together, um, just launched Dementia Map, which is a global resource uh, directory. And um, it's very easy to use. We're in the initial stages, but we invite you to participate both as a, as a vendor who has resources, products, or tools that you want to share, um, or just, you know, your family, maybe your person who just got diagnosed, maybe you I work in the um, industry, but you're looking for resources. Just go to DementiaMap.com for that. And then last, I, we're just going to hear from the Foot Bar Walker really quick, and then we'll be back with our guest. Introducing the life-changing Foot Bar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Foot Bar Walker revolutionized my care of George the saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The foot bar walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The foot bar walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com That's thefootbarwalker.com Peggy, would you recommend the footbar walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the footbar walker. Well, welcome back. Let's get to our guest today. We're going to have a, a fun conversation with Jennifer Zachman, who is the Executive Director at Oakley. And she's been with Cassius since September of 2019, and she has also worked in the senior care industry for about 10 years. So welcome, Jennifer. How are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you, Lori? Doing good, doing good. Just hanging in there. I keep looking out the window and can't believe we're in December in Minnesota and no snow, though. That's thrown me for a little bit of a loop. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, I know. My children are begging for snow. I know. My daughter posted a picture of uh, the house, and we've got it all decorated, you know, with all these blow-ups. I said, but it just looks weird with no snow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me get your, let me introduce your sidekick here. Holly Williams is a nurse and she is the director of health services at Oakley. And Holly has been a legacy Elam employee, uh, having worked for Elam and Cassia for almost 10 years in in a variety of roles. So welcome, Holly. How are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. I'm I'm interested in having this conversation. Um, I always ask all of my guests uh, one question in the beginning, and Holly, I'm going to throw this out to you first, and that is, have you been personally touched by um, dementia in your circle of friends or family? I have. Um, actually, my grandmother just recently passed away about six months ago, Um, She was diagnosed early on in life. Um, She was 58 years old when she was diagnosed, um, and she was fortunate to live to 72. Um, Lots of struggles trying to manage her at home with my grandfather um, to getting her into assisted living and then ultimately um, having hospice come on board and support us in that manner, and we are very fortunate um, that she was in a great place, and we were all surrounding her as she passed. Oh, wonderful. I'm sorry to hear that she she passed, but um, it sounds like she had a, a great support system in the, in the meantime there. Um, uh, Jennifer, how about you? Have you been personally touched by dementia? I have. My, my grandmother also had dementia. Um, I would say her, her symptoms, her memory loss started showing probably in her late 50s, early 60s, and she lived to be 82. So she passed about six years ago. Uh, kind of same story with Holly. It was it was very challenging um, trying to keep her safe at home, um, and then moving her to assisted living, which she was very very uh, re- reluctant to do, and then eventually getting her into memory care. So um, it, it was it was a tough struggle. And you know, my mom would always say, "I just wish she could be one of those those happy." ladies in, the, in in memory care that, you know, they don't really know what's going on, but all they're doing is smiling. Um, she, she struggled big time. So, so yes, I have been. Yeah. And that's one thing. Everybody's journey is a little, little bit different. You know, my mom, for the most part, she lived with it for 30 years. She um, basically started having symptoms in her mid fifties and then passed away um, in her, in her eighties as well. And I remember people saying, well, she can't have it. They don't live that long. And I'm like, well, you know, come on over to my house and I'll, I'll beg to differ yep. with you, you know, on that, on that yep. whole process. Holly, I'm going to throw this one to you first. And that is, I, I want to talk about care plans and how they're developed. And, um, you know, I, I think the general public hears about care plans, but they don't really know what they mean and how are they customized. Mm-hmm to individuals? Sure. Um, So actually, it mostly starts with Jenny. Um, So Jenny kind of starts off with that marketing call. Um, People, you know, seek, you know, reach out to her and are seeking for either, most of the time they think assisted living, um, and we kind of determine if memory care is more appropriate based off of what we see, because sometimes families don't always see what we see or they think something that is very abnormal is normal for that person. Um, mm-hmm. So once Jenny kind of goes through with them and they decide to, you know, proceed to move to Oakley, 
um, then I sit down with that loved one. Um, we go through kind of what they're seeing with the loved one, the challenges, and the support that they're wanting because there's always something, you know, missing or a safety feature that usually brings them to a memory care. Um, so I like to talk about goals that they have, um, which often involves like getting someone in an activity or care related. A lot of the times we're seeing um, like showers. They're not, you know, they're struggling to get them once a week in the shower. So we want to make sure that um, we're going to meet all of their needs. And I, I always say this is a beautiful, perfect care plan of how we're going to take care of your, you know, loved one. And then a day in, we realize that none of this is going to work and we might have to change it. So it's something that's always um, fluent and not set in stone. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, you know, say to, to what Holly, sorry, to what Holly was talking about, you know, that first phone call with me is kind of, it's, it's amazing to hear um, when you are living with a loved one who has dementia or you're taking care of somebody that has dementia, um, it's always kind of shocking to them to what's normal for their parents and then thinking, you know, oh, my parent could probably do assisted living when you've worked in this industry for so long and you, you, you know that that is not a safe practice for someone in assisted living or, you know, knowing that this move is going to confuse your parent and so we don't know if they'll be safe. So I think everybody just, you know, when you when you're in it every day, those things become normal for your parents. But but when it comes to dementia, I don't think anything is quote unquote normal. If you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I definitely definitely know what you mean um, on there. And I do think it's important um, to have those conversations with families because again, families aren't always realistic, or sometimes there mm -hmm. are. Um, certain people in the family that get it and then other other members of the family, mm -hmm. they don't see anything that's wrong at all mm -hmm. um, or could be it could be a safety issue. Um, Holly, what kind of training do you do for your memory care staff and is it significantly different from from um, other levels of care that you have? Yes, um, it is definitely different. Um, we have guidelines per the state of Minnesota that we have to follow, but then also we have a CASIA standard. Um, you know, we never want an employee walking into a situation that they don't feel comfortable with. Um, and we see, obviously, in memory care, there's more behaviors, higher care needs. Um, so we do a lot of, like, online-based training where they're going to, you know, learn more about the disease and different ways to interact with people and approaches. Um, but then based off of the care plan, we also sit down and do one-to-ones. Um, I think a big piece is just kind of communication on what aides are seeing to what family is seeing to what maybe a nurse on our level is seeing um, and determining, you know, what training might still be needed because we might think we have everything covered and then someone new comes in and it's something that, you know, all the other residents aren't experienced, maybe behavior-wise or how to take care of someone. So we always want to personalize our training to that resident. Which is wonderful to hear. A lot of people uh, and a lot of companies out there say they do, but um, I don't always see it playing out all the time. And so it's really important for families to feel comfortable with that connection and, you know, what is actually what is actually happening um, within within a community. Um, Jenny, was there anything that you wanted to add as far as um, training and, and your views um, of yeah. how, 
how families look at things and, and same with staff. How do they receive things? Yeah, I would say, you know, like you had just mentioned, Lori, so many communities out there will say that, oh, yeah, you know, we we meet somebody where they're at and we um, train our staff on how to deal with the individual, um, and then you don't see that. I can honestly say that with Holly and our staff here, that is something that is a major focus for us. We have so many, you know, the residents that we do have in memory care are all very different. You have some people that are, we have some people that are still physically very active that are still going for runs if they can. If they could get out there, they'd go for a three-mile jog. We have mm-hmm. some people who are more sedentary. Um, and I can honestly tell you that our staff have been trained so well by Holly that they really do focus on each one of those individual needs and um, try to meet them where they're at and to make those things happen for them. Which is which is wonderful that um, and that can be really tricky to understand sometimes. I think both as uh, as staff and as and uh, as a family member. Um, I remember when my mom was in a community. Sometimes I didn't always understand why staff was doing what they were doing initially, and then it was like, oh, well, that does yep. make a lot of sense because they were really geared to, you know, was she safe? Was she happy? Was she pain free? Versus mm-hmm. You know, a lot of family is right or wrong, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. kind of basis in correcting stories. When, we, when we're when we new, we just don't know, you know, when we're stepping mm-hmm. into this space. Right. So it's so, so important when communities can help lift us up and understand, you know, why things are done the way they are. Um, I found even helpful um, learning in a lot of communities, again, don't share this information. I think they think that, you know, some of them think the public knows it or they wouldn't be interested, but even in terms of why they pick the types of furniture that they pick or the right. color, color of the plates or, um, you know, all of those things, you know, when it comes to contrast so that somebody can see better. Um, right. So somebody can hear better. Um, you know, those things, you know, when we teach families, then they can apply those not only when they're there, but when they take somebody out and consider, you know, um, different things to to make their outing um, or their visit um, better for all with that. So I, just, I think that's so, so important. Um, Holly, I'll throw this one to you again. In terms of, of programming there, what what do you guys offer your memory care residents? Um, and, and again, how is it different? Sure. So obviously right now in our world of COVID, um, everything's different from when we opened in January of 2020. We had, you know, great programming set up and we really knew what we wanted to do. And then here comes COVID kind of full force in March and we had to adjust that. Um, So we have a wonderful activity director, Julie, who has really um, gotten to know everybody and has made those adjustments that the state wants us to and just to make sure that everybody is safe. Um, So we are very hands-on right now, just kind of keeping that feel of the hands-on as much as we can, but ensuring we're keeping socially distanced and PPE and cleaning and everything like that. Um, But we have a great group down there. We have a tight group of seven right now, um, and we are very centered towards them. So our programming right now, um, 
we have, you know, a farmer down there, a housewife, an accountant who is down there, a businessman. Um, they all have this desire to have a purpose. Um, everything that they're doing, you know, they they love to get and do little small activities or puzzles, but they want to know that they're kind of making a difference for the people there. Um, you know, they want to take care of this each other or just in the community. So they've made cards for um, the students going back to school and giving them support. Um, they have been able to just kind of do different small tasks for each other. Um, so we're just, I, I don't even know how to really explain it. We're just focusing on them right now. Um, we want, we don't want them to decline at all, um, which you can see right now with COVID. Um, that a lot of memory cares residents are starting to decline or they're seeing a higher rate of death. We have not had one of our memory care people decline or a death in there, which we are so, so proud of. Um, so we're just kind of transitioning our program to them and individualizing it and making sure that they are happy and safe and just comfortable in their home. Oh, wonderful. <clears throat> I would definitely say that I think Holly, I mean, all of us, I mean, the leadership team, our aides, our dietary staff, our front desk, receptionists, everybody has really gone above and beyond to take care of the residents' needs, you know, not, not just memory care, assisted living, but especially in memory care, knowing that those residents are in a secure unit, um, their families aren't being allowed to visit as much um, or as often as they were. Um, you know, we are trying to practice social distancing. We are trying to keep them safe. But at the same time, realizing that these people need, they need people. They need faces. They need touch. They need activity. Um, and I just think, I mean, our staff has done such a phenomenal job at coming up with creative ideas of how we can still keep them active, still give them purpose while keeping them safe. Um, it's been really great to see. You know, I We've heard so much about decline in deaths um, in the communities that surround us, and we have not had any. That's fantastic. I, I know one of the things that I noticed was the first two to two and a half months, everyone was saying everyone was adapting pretty well. And then that two and a half, three-month period hit. And I just heard so many communities saying, boy, they're just all of a sudden there's just been this drop in decline and then um, many passing as well. And I, and I found it fascinating that, you know, everybody's kind of in their own little bubble. And yet that, that was the marker that two and a half to three mm -hmm. months was what I was hearing was really, really common. So I think it's great that you've managed to be able to stay connected. Now, it sounds like from, from what you said, and please correct me if I'm mistaken, that, um, you know, because some communities have actually made everybody stay in their room, even in memory care. Have you guys done that? It sounded like they were still able to kind of get along as a group and, and do things as a group. Do you want to answer that, Holly? Um, or would you... Yep, I can answer that. Um, so at certain points, based off of kind of the recommendations of what the state's saying and um, the CDC, we were at the point where we were keeping um, them in their room as much as possible, and it was more individual activities or going into their room, um, the staff members, um, just because of our memory care and kind of the people that are down there. Um, our meals, you know, when we had to deliver them, 
we would have either like doors open or they would maintain um, bigger than six feet um, away from each other. But right Mm -hmm. now we're back to the communal dining with the um, recommendations from MDH. So they're six feet away from each other. Um, they're at individual tables, like our chairs are facing a certain way. So if, you know, someone coughs, it's all going in one direction. Um, so we have all of the guidelines that the state currently has for us. We're meeting those or going above and beyond what they have to keep them safe. Um, when they're out in the common areas, they are wearing masks if able, and we're helping put them on and take them off if they need to. Um, some people just based off of their diagnosis, we can't put a mask on them. So, you know, they're farther away from somebody or they're not um, participating in certain activities. But everything that we're doing, it's have their own individual activity to complete or what, you know, if they are, um, they do this kind of picture bingo. Um, they each have their own chips that are with their name on them. They get them every single time. They're washed every time, but it's not like, you know, Jenny's going to get my bingo chips. So it's just everything's very separate to not cross-contaminate. Um, and we you have, know, we, oh, I'm sorry, Holly. Go nope, ahead. you can go ahead. I was say, we have some pretty great um, family members who are very understanding about the fact that, you know, even though we do have these essential caregiver rules in place, that family could, you know, potentially be essential caregivers, that we're being <clears throat> kind of going above and beyond and being pretty strict with it because we are, so much trying to protect our residents of memory care as we know COVID can run like wildfire through for, through a memory care unit. Um, the family members that are considered essential and ha- that have been able to come in are so good about wearing their PPE. Same with our staff. Um, our staff always wearing their shields, their goggles, their face mask, you know, whatever that is. Um, so I feel like everybody's just really kind of gone because we know how vulnerable our memory care can be and is, everybody's just gone above and beyond to protect them. Well, that's wonderful. That's that's absolutely wonderful. Now, with dementia, sometimes there will be some disruptive behaviors that that come, and uh, you know, I like to call them uh, reactions versus behaviors. But I know our audience probably still uses the term um, behaviors. Uh, How do you guys deal with that? And Holly, I'll throw this one to you first. Um, Definitely. I think that behaviors are a large part of the memory care, kind of what we see um, on a daily basis. And really, it comes down to your approach and redirecting that person. Um, I always tell our aides, you don't want to overreact to something, even though it might be a really big, you know, behavior reaction. Like you said, you don't want to um, approach them kind of in a, quick, harsh manner, like you need to stop that, you got to be gentle and figure out what works for that person. Um, Usually it's always something wrong in that resident's eyes. Maybe their routine was different or something in their room was missing. They might be experiencing pain or just in general kind of sundowning that increased confusion moments. Um, So you just got to kind of figure out what works for that person. And we do in our care planning Um, After talking with the family, I put in kind of what behaviors they see and what works for them. Um, Right now we have a gentleman who has some very sexual behaviors, um, makes some jokes and 
just very inappropriate at times. And the son said the only thing that works is to literally tell him that is inappropriate. You need to stop. And, you know, at first they were like, I don't want to say that to him. You know, that's, that's kind of crossing the line. And the family's like, I'm telling you, it's the only thing that would work. Well, we tried it the first day. Yep, he looked at you, apologized, and then moved past the sexual joke. So mm-hmm. now, you know, it's just kind of finding what works, talking with the family. Um, and honestly, it's not, it's not like black and white what's going to work. What worked today isn't going to work tomorrow sometimes. So we kind of have mm-hmm. all these tricks and got to pull out what we can to alleviate these behaviors. Yeah, that that's very true. And I think that that's one thing that's really hard for families to understand. What do you mean? Well, it worked before. Why wouldn't it work again? And it's it's just the way the brain works. You know, sometimes it's mm-hmm. connecting and uh, in sync and other times it's just not. And that's a, that's a huge, huge thing, I think, for uh, families to really get their, their hands around and really truly understand that. And it's not about being perfect. It's really about just trying to be progressive and really in tune with what, what are their needs. And usually when there's this behavior mode, I always, uh, I kind of laugh at that because it's like, I don't like it when someone tells me I have a behavior because that's not a attribute (laughs) that I want to have. Um, But yet really it's a, it's a reaction. And when it comes to somebody with dementia, my belief is that's their way to communicate something's off. I don't know what it is. I just, uh, I can't put maybe words to it um, depending on where they are in the progression, but I'm trying to tell you I'm not comfortable. Um, something something is off here and you need to learn to read my nonverbals and figure out what that might be you know what's what's going on um jennifer did you want to add anything to you know working with disruptive uh, behaviors or reactions no i think i think holly pretty much covered it you know in, in thinking of some of those reactions slash behaviors you know i think keeping in mind that this that person this is not who they are. And, you know, in a past life, they would have known that that was inappropriate to say that, you Mm -hmm. know, dementia removes that filter, removes that, um, you know, removes that filter that that tells us, no, you can't say that. Um, So just knowing how to react to that, what the right um, words to use are, um, trying not to be offended. You know, we've had, unfortunately, you know, had to have, conversations with, with staff on, um, you know, it, it sometimes hurts your feelings, some of the things that mm-hmm. you that you can be said, be told to you, but that that's not what, who that person is or their, their real feelings towards you. So mm-hmm. I think Holly does a great job at that. Our staff does a great job at it. The one gentleman in particular I can think of, you know, I've seen such that, that, that Holly was talking about, such a change in him as he's been here. He, um, with, the, with the reminders of not using those words, not using that language and being appropriate, he now actually is kind of stopping himself before he gets to the, the, his joke. Um, mm-hmm. So they've just done an excellent job at really guiding him and, um, you know, reverting him from, from making those kinds of comments. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, uh, and again, with everybody, it's going to be a, a little bit different there. Um, I, I'd also like to talk about COVID-19. And, you know, I can't believe we've been in this for what, nine months now. Um, 
and doesn't look like there's any real, you know, um, end in sight, even though the vaccines and stuff are coming. It sounds like it's still going to be a complicated rest of the winter and even into spring with all of this. And I'm wondering if you can talk about how it has affected your your staff, um, your your senior residents, and and the families as a whole. And Holly, if you want to start, and then we'll have Jennifer pop in. Yeah, um, it has been hard. Like even just as the I always say, as the main nurse, like it is it is hard. It's very tiring. Um, you know, you hear about burnout a lot. Um, sometimes I feel like, you know, I just, I need to make it through the day. There's just so much kind of going on. So myself, I'm just feeling it. Um, but we're very lucky as our company is just always there to support us. And even at Oakley, we have everyone to support each other, um, you know, to kind of get that time to refresh and, you know, get yourself back on the pace that you need to get on um, to make sure we're taking care of everyone. So that comes from our home office to our down to you know our aides we always want to make sure that we're caring for each other so we can care for our um, residents the best that we can um, with that said I know that the families you know a lot of them we have essential caregivers coming in but just in general we had visitors before and people coming in um, to do smaller cares for their family member um, they're feeling the stress of it too because they can't get in here like they wanted to so we're just seeing a lot of emotion, um, which rightfully so. It, this has just been so hard on everybody. Um, everybody's over it, but we got to kind of get over that hump and push on to hopefully spring, like you said, where we can see that clarity moment. Um, so we are just communicating. Um, Jenny does a wonderful job at making sure our families are aware of when we're testing and what our results are, any changes. Um, our home office does family Zooms, which we have some coming up, just to give updates. Um, we just want to be an open book because I think it's scary for everyone right now and not being here. They just need to know what's going on. So we have definitely gotten better, I think, with communication. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of a high point for us right now that I think COVID gave us, and that's something that I feel we will continue past COVID. Um, I don't know, Jenny, you have anything to add? Yeah, I think, you know, with you, I think I, obviously everything you said, I agree 100%. I think right now the key, um, the key is communication, family communication, resident communication, um, always letting them know, you know, I tell, I tell residents and families when I get new information, I pass it on to them immediately um, so that they know I'm not ever trying to, I'm not trying to keep anything secret. Um, you know, prior to the numbers going up so high around us, we were allowing visitors into the building by appointment and they were, you know, having to go directly to their loved one's apartment. As numbers went up around us in our surrounding counties, the visitation stopped. So I think that was really hard. You know, here we had been kind of locked down. Then they finally get to start seeing their mom or dad or grandma again, and then we're locked down again. Um, I'm always making sure when I'm communicating with families to tell them how grateful I am for their understanding and their patience because this has been so hard on all of our staff, on our aides, on leadership. Um, you know, I've, I've had a many of uh, angry phone calls or I should say angry, frustrated phone calls from family members um, because they want to come in and they can't or they want to take their loved one out. And at this point, to do that, 
your loved one has to quarantine for 14 days. Um, so just all of these new rules and regulations. But I can say as time has gone on and we've seen more and more deaths and more and more numbers of positive COVID, I feel as though family members are finally accepting that the COVID-19 pandemic is, is real. Um, seniors are unfortunately the largest numbers of deaths that we are having. And now instead of people being frustrated with us and all the rules, I'm getting more people that are thankful to us for keeping their family members safe. Mm -hmm. And that's been very rewarding. Yeah, I know. It's so hard. I have um, friends who have a loved one in a community and they can't, you know, they can't see them and they are so fearful. They're so fearful. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those with uh, spouses, I I know I've talked with them and just in tears, you know, and they're like, uh, will they remember me? Will they be alive? Will I be alive? Mm -hmm. And all these massive, massive questions of, um, of huge magnitude in terms of, you know, trying to be connected and, and what if, what if, you know, everyone's doing that. And so, the more I think you can communicate as a, um, you know, with, with families um, is so important. Um, so, so yeah. very important. Yeah. Now, do you guys allow cameras and stuff in where, where they could kind of zoom in? I know some people have set up um, in some communities uh, an iPad where they can just pop in and talk with their loved one at any time. And even if the person in the memory care can't talk, I know it gives them great relief that they can just pop in and see how they're doing in their room. Do do you allow that? Um, We do allow um, like electronic monitoring, we call it. You can, you know, you're free to put a camera in. Um, their room, we for us, it's just more or less too. We want to maintain, you know, their dignity, um, so we don't have it anywhere where they could see any cares um, mm-hmm. being completed with that. Um, you know, for a lot of our residents, we've noticed we've tried like Zoom um, calls with their family members. Sometimes it can be more confusing um, and agitating, so it kind of depends on the person. So that's person to person right now, kind of what's going on. Um, a lot of the times uh, our residents really like to receive cards and different things to look at and hold. Um, So we have quite a few that do get cards weekly from their family or something sent to them, Um, but we're always free to set up uh, visits if the family wants to. Um, So it's just kind of up to them and what they prefer. Mm -hmm. Visits as far as Zoom visits, you mean, Holly? Yeah, Zoom visits. Yeah. Excuse me. And um, we are, you know, we've had this on this really nice December weather and November weather for that matter. So our memory care is at ground level. So a lot of families have been continuing to do um, short window visits, which has has been really nice. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing um, that is nice with us not having the snow and stuff yet. And it hasn't gotten overly, overly cold here. Um, That definitely helps in terms of, being able to see one another, even if it's through a window. I know for uh, some people in memory care, they don't understand. What are you doing outside? And they're waving people, come on in, come on in. Get out of the cold, you know. Yeah, and and that's kind of what Holly was saying, too. It's like the Zoom calls and stuff, too, sometimes can be very confusing. So Mm -hmm. it is. It's kind of a resident 
by resident, you know, decision of what's going to be easiest for them and, and not cause them any agitation or confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that gets, gets a little bit, a little bit tough there. Um, anything else that you guys wanted to cover that we haven't covered in terms of, of what Oakley has to offer? Um, both those living there and families? Um, I mean, I guess I would just, you know, and with, with what Oakley has to offer with just, you know, the phenomenal care that I've seen in this community with our aides, our servers, um, Holly, you know, I can't even say enough of um, how well cared for our residents are. Even, you know, your memory care residents, assisted living, even independent living who don't necessarily receive, you know, nursing care is obviously, but just um, the kind of home that and the kind of community that we've created for our residents here and the mm-hmm. standard of care that Holly has for her staff. Um, she goes above and beyond what I, I have seen and um, really our, our aides abide by that and just they want to go above and beyond as well for our residents. Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. I appreciate you ladies taking uh, the time with me today to kind of share what you're doing. It sounds like you guys are doing great work. And people can find you by going to your website, which is www.oakleyseniorliving, and that's O-K-A-L-E-E seniorliving.com. And you can always um, email them, too. You can email Jennifer dot and then Zachman, Z-A-C-H-M-A-N, at CassiaLife.org, and that's C-A-S-S-I-A Life.org. Um, and then is it okay to give out a phone number, too, for you guys? It if sure I'm- is. Okay, so what I've got here is uh, 763-762-5400, and again, thank you so much, ladies, for your time and the work and effort and understanding um, and care that you put forth uh, with your compassionate service to those in memory care and those that serve them. Well, thank Thank you you. so much for having us on today. It was um, a pleasure, and we're always happy to talk about Oakley and um, what what it is that we do. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for for, uh, being with us. And, again, to our audience, go ahead and and check them out. Um, Again, I want to give a plug for Dementia Map. Again, DementiaMap.com. You can find a variety of resources there, um, or maybe you're interested in be, being a resource to others. We'd love to talk to you. So just reach out to me at Lori, L-O-R-I, at AlzheimerSpeaks.com, and we'll get you up and running. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. 
We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey a lot easier.